0: Hey everybody, what's happening? This is your man, L. Jamal, coming through with another edition of Never Out of Balance. This is a place where you can say what you want as long as you got the facts. Today is Tuesday. We still got a lot of sports to go over today. We will be getting started with that right away. We're going to start off with some college football news. We got an injury report to go over, and I got a news story to go over as well. And then I'll be going over the new top 25, uh, the top 25 rankings for the week as well as the conference standings. Then we got some uh, NFL uh, work to go over. Of course, we had a Monday night football game uh, between the Packers and the Lions. Uh, Last second game, we got to get into that last second. Well, with a last second score. We got to talk a little bit about that as well. And, of course, we'll be wrapping everything up with a baseball uh, playoff update. Of course, we are in the, well, last night was the NLCS. We had game three of that between the Nationals and the Cardinals. We're going to break that down as well as some news as well but let's get right into it of course with some college football Uh, we're going to start off of course like i said with the news and an injury report uh, this is some uh these are some injuries that uh, recurring in the top 25. Uh we're gonna get right into it with Jabari Zuniga, a defensive lineman out of Florida. He will be out next. Well, it is he is questionable uh next week with a knee injury. Up next, we have offensive lineman uh George out of Georgia, Justin Schaefer. He will be missing this Saturday's game versus Kentucky with a next in uh, with a neck injury. Up next, you have a running back out of USC, Bavay Bavae. Uh, Malapaye, uh, he uh, injured his hip versus Hawaii, and he, I'm sorry, he injured his knee, well he's actually been dealing with a knee injury uh, this whole season, but he will be out indefinitely in order to heal that up, uh, Hank Bachmeyer, the quarterback at of Boise State, he injured his hip last week versus Hawaii, and he is questionable, questionable this week, and finally you have Clay Johnston linebacker out of Baylor who hurt his knee last week versus uh, Texas Tech and he will be out for the entire season. Uh, Let's move on. We have a sort of a big news story here to cover about uh college football there's a there's a movement well is it there's a trend moving on uh there's a trend going on right now with uh ath- student athletes wanting to redshirt and eventually transfer uh mostly just a redshirt. sometimes they end up transferring uh but again uh, let's talk about it uh dozens of college football players around the country are Enacting, a, uh, enacting their red shirt, allowing them to pursue or to, to preserve a year eligibility per the NCAA rules. Now, the NCAA allows for kids to redshirt up to four games. uh, Well, they can redshirt after at least four games uh, into the season. Uh, Many kids are staying, such as Houston quarterback De'Aaron King and his teammate Keith Corbin, who decided to redshirt uh, after a few games this season. Uh, But others, uh, like running back Connor Hayward out of Michigan State and also Kalen Newton, a quarterback out of uh, Howard uh university on the FCS level, he's also Cam Newton's little brother. Will be sitting out will be set to transfer after this season is up. Now uh Texas m would lose its top punt returner to, to being a red shirt uh Rashawn Paul he averaged about 13 yards of return he'll be missing the rest of this year. Uh Kansas State also lost their leading runner uh, later leading rusher excuse me khalil herbert uh the running back uh pretty much leads the team uh in yards per carry as well uh he averaged about nine yards per carry so very effective he's had well he's definitely had some um experienced this well, he's been able to get some stats of this year so uh maybe for him he might transfer as well uh in in the case of well let's break it down a little bit more factors behind recent recent player trends include a poor start to the season coaching changes and playing time so uh probably in the case of khalil herbert things aren't going really well at kansas they're not really expected to change anytime soon Uh, He's probably, you know, he said, I put myself out there enough. I'm going to take a break uh, and I'll see what happens next season. And in other cases, uh, you have players uh, such as uh, I I did talk about a lot uh, about a week or so ago about a recent transfer coming out of USC at the wide receiver position. Uh, He wanted to dip out because, again, they were pretty much loaded there. They had Michael Pittman Jr. there, a couple different guys there, actually three guys there catching legitimate, uh, well, legitimately catching passes there. And he just had no room there, so he decided to move on, he actually decided to go transfer to Oregon next season, uh, bypassing the red shirt, he'll just, you know, transfer so again, some of these guys are you know, taking the the red shirt opportunity, uh, taking a chance to take a break, others are just putting themselves pretty much right into the transfer mix and saying look I'm just going to go ahead and do it. Uh, Michigan has probably lost the most players, I believe, so far to the transfer portal. portal. Uh, they have lost four players in total, including uh, the running back, Con- Connor Hayward. Uh, yesterday, they will also lose a wide receiver, Weston Bridges, due to a positional switch over the offseason. He was currently, well, before that, he was playing running back. It was also uh, not getting enough playing time. So, again, playing time, a poor start, and usually position changes, maybe a coaching change. They're not really used to the coaching environment there and they realize they don't want to be there so a lot of players are sitting out a year to kind of figure out their situation or to transfer uh speaking of the spartans they also lost uh their lead well lost a pass rusher in brandon uh boyer randall and also another running back in ladarius jefferson so again uh people are moving they're you know they're taking advantage of what the ncaa rules are and uh this is gonna keep happening until the ncaa allows for Players to get paid, and again, the funny thing is the NCAA pushed this rule in order so they can be able to uh, use the red shirts effectively for them. For the coaches, uh, the coaches wanted to be able to adjust, uh, you know, rosters and be able to uh, put the put the red shirt label on this guy to preserve a year of eligibility for the squad. Now players are looking at it and like, well, I can preserve my body and then choose whether or not I want to come back to this university as well. So again, it benefit the players have made it benefit them. Of course, I know the coaches are not happy. That's just how it goes. But let's move on to the top 25. Of course, this is the new top 25 going into week uh, seven in the college football season. Oh, Actually, week eight. Excuse me. So let's break it down. Uh, we're going to start with number 25. We have Washington. The Huskies are sitting at five and two. At number 24, we have Appalachian State coming here with a five and 0 record. The last game was a 17 to seven win at Louisiana Lafayette. And this is their second uh this is their second appearance in the top twenty-five in the school's history. Uh, Appalachian State also has a Week One road victory against North Carolina, thirty-four to thirty-one. So they're a pretty, good, a pretty decent team. Uh, moving on to number twenty-three, we have Iowa at four and two. They recently took a loss to Penn State uh, last weekend. Uh, we also have Missouri here at number twenty-two at five and one. At uh, at twenty-one, we have Cincinnati also at five and one. And at twenty, we have Minnesota. Minnesota is undefeated at six and. Minnesota has outscored their last two opponents, 72 to 24. That being Illinois, and I believe it was Nebraska. Yes, they were able to beat Nebraska at home, 34 to seven. Now, they open up next week as a 30-point favorite uh, over Rutgers. And I, I mean, again, I think that well, that's definitely indicative of how far they come, how uh, you know how much better they are this year. I think 30 points is is a pretty big spread. I don't think they win by that many points, but I definitely think that they beat up Rutgers. And they're 31st in scoring in the nation. They score about 35 and a half points a game, so uh, nothing, to, nothing to sneeze at here. At number 19, we have SMU, a.k.a. Southern Methodist University out there in Dallas, Texas. They are still undefeated at 6-0. At number 18, we have Baylor, who is 6-0. The last game was a 30-33 win in overtime versus Texas Tech. excuse me. They are 20th in scoring with 37 points eight points a game and they are 17th in scoring defense allowing just under 20 points a game at 17.8 uh and they do have a list of injuries though um They are missing uh, wide receiver Gavin Holmes, who is recovering from ACL and will miss the rest of the season. So they are missing a significant injury. And again, we also talked about uh, running. Sorry. uh, We also talked about Clay Johnston, their uh, linebacker, who will be missing the rest of the season as well uh, with another. I believe it was um, mm, give me one second. Yes, he will be out uh, for the entire season with a knee injury. And then finally here, they are missing out on another running back, Craig Williams. He'll be out indefinitely with an undisclosed injury. And also, uh, they're going to be missing the offensive lineman as well. Connor Galvin, four to six weeks with a lower body injury. So uh, it's good to be ranked right now for Baylor. But again, they're missing a lot of tools. I don't know if that's going to come back to Harlem or not. At number 17, we have a Pac-12 team here in Arizona State who is 5-1. Up next, we have Michigan at 5-1 as well at number 16. At number 15, here comes Texas after the Red River rivalry loss. They are 4-2. Currently, like I said, 15. At number 14, we have another undefeated team here in Boise State who is 6-0. At number 13, we have Utah at 5-1. At number 12, here come the Oregon Ducks at 5-1 one and at number 11 auburn is five and one and next up we have georgia who actually took their first loss of the season in a big upset faction they are five and one currently the last game was a 20 to 17 loss at home to south carolina jake Fromm with those three interceptions and rodrigo blakenship would miss a field goal which would force the game into a second uh, overtime again georgia goes down in flames they are currently five and one they draft they dropped drastically to number 10 in the rankings you <laughs> Who knows what's gonna happen? Who who knows what's gonna happen next? At number nine we have Florida, also a loser last weekend. They are now six and one. Like I say number nine and number eight we have Notre Dame, who is uh, five and one. At number seven Penn State stays undefeated at six and oh six and zero, oh, excuse me. At number six we have Wisconsin at six and zero. Oh. We have at number five Oklahoma, also six and zero. Oh. And uh, rounding out the top five, everybody is six and zero. Oh, so let's just uh, name name who they are. At number five we have Oklahoma. At number four. We have Ohio State at number three. We have Clemson, and again we have at number two LSU, and again we have Alabama here. Like I said, everybody uh, five through five through one is undefeated. Of course, at six and zero for Alabama, their last game was a win, 47 to 28 at Texas A&M. They make it look relatively easy, but their star wide receiver Devontae Smith will be suspended for the first half of this week's game uh, versus Arkansas. He apparently threw a punch in last week's game, so he's gonna be missing some time for that but i don't think it's going to really affect them too much they are the second scoring offense in the nation the second highest scoring offense in the nation with almost 52 points a game 51.8 is the exact amount so again alabama major number one i'm not surprised but let's move on we're going to wrap everything in college football up we're going to take a look at the conference standings like i said we got a good start of it we got a start on it uh earlier i believe uh, a well actually last week uh with the first five conferences now we're going to break down the rest of them here uh we're going to start off with the Mid-American Conference and of course this conference is broken down into two divisions as well. In the West you have Ball State who is 2-0 in conference play. They are 3-0 overall. Western Michigan is 2-1. They are 4-2 overall. So is Central Michigan. They are uh, they are 2-1 uh, in conference play and 4-2 overall. We also have Toledo and Northern Illinois here tied at 1-1 in conference play. Uh, however Northern Illinois is 2-4 overall and Toledo is four and two overall. And finally, at the bottom here, we have uh, Eastern Michigan, who is zero and two in conference play, but they are three and three overall. Let's move up to the uh, the MAC, the Mid-American East. Um, we have uh, Kent State here. They are two and zero in conference play, but three and uh, three and three overall. Uh, next up, we have Bowling Green, who is one and one. They are two and four overall. Ohio is one and one in conference play, and also two and four overall. And finally, we also have uh, Miami, Ohio, uh, to round out the one and one uh, teams here. Uh, they are one and one in conference play and two and four overall. And rounding out the bottom, uh, we have. Buffalo, who is zero and four and two and four in conference play, And Akron, who is zero and two in conference play, and zero and six in uh, overall play. Again, that is the MAC conference, the Mid America Conference. At the moment, you have Ball State on top. Of course, uh, they are looking like the team to beat. Uh, they are currently undefeated, two and oh, I'm sorry, they have a, a current record. i sorry, of five and oh, I'm sorry. I'm off a little bit on that on their record uh, and you also have kent state on the top of the eastern division right now they are two and oh they are three and three overall so if the season were to end tomorrow it will be ball state and kent state of course the season isn't over yet you still have western michigan in the mix uh and also central michigan in the mix they both have two conference wins as well and you can't necessarily count out balling green and ohio um as well as they're still relatively in it um not necessarily in terms of overall record but conference record uh but let's move on. We're going to move to the mountain west uh this is also broken down into two divisions as well we're going to start off with the west and currently on top of the west division is San Diego State. They are 2 and 1 in conference play, 5 and 1 overall. Nevada is 1 and 1 in conference play and 4 and 2 overall. Same with Hawaii, 1 and 1, 4 and 2 overall. And uh, we have San Jose here next. They're at 1 and 2 in conference play, they're at 3 and 3 overall. And rounding right at the bottom, we have Fresno State and also UNLV. Uh, UNLV is 0 and 2 in conference play. Fresno State is 0 and 1 uh f- I'm sorry. UNLV is two and four overall and Fresno state is two and three overall. I'm a little bit surprised. I, I pegged, uh, Fresno state as well as, um, yeah, I, I pretty much have Fresno state pegged as one of my top teams in this conference. So I'm a little bit, uh, down about that. I didn't get that one right. They are completely out of it at this point, but let's move on to the mountain division where we have Utah state. I think I was right about them. Uh, we have Utah state, uh, in the mix here, they are two and 0 in conference play. They are three and two overall. We have Boise State who has an undefeated conference record as well at three and 0. However, they are six and 0. They are undefeated overall as well. Uh, six and 0. We have Air Force here at two and one. They are four and two overall, and uh, we have uh, Wyoming here who is four and two at four two overall as well, but one and one in the conference. And rounding out the rear, we have Colorado State uh, who is one and two and also two and four. And then finally, we. We have New Mexico, who is zero and two in conference play and two and four overall. So now, uh, at this point in the. In the Mountain West, you have San Diego State uh, near the top. You also have a you also have a mix between Boise State and Utah. I think uh, Boise State. I don't think they've you pl- know they definitely haven't played each other yet. So Boise State he still has to play Utah, one of the better teams on their uh, schedule. I think they've already taken out uh, Air Force, Hawaii, those guys. So it's it's still some way to go. I still have I think at this point, uh, Boise is definitely the the leader in the pack right now, uh, and I think it'll be a good game between them and San Diego State if they make it to the conference champion. Game they might end up playing each other before that, but we will see. Uh, up next we're gonna go to the Pac-12, of course my favorite conference. We're gonna start off in the Pac-12 South. It's pretty competitive right now. You have USC leading the way though. They are two and one in conference play. They are three and three overall. Up next you have Utah who is five and one overall, but also two and one in the conference. You also have Arizona State who is two and one in the conference and five and one overall. And you have Arizona State who is also two and one uh, Arizona. Sorry Arizona the Arizona Wildcats. Cats are two and one and four and two overall. And rounding out the bottom, we have two one and two teams here. Colorado uh, is one and two in conference play, but they are three and three overall. And UCLA, they are one and two in conference play and one and five overall. Let's move to the Pac-12 North. We have Oregon on top here. They are three and zero no in conference play. They are five and one overall. Stanford is two and two, and they are three and three overall in overall play. We have Washington here at two and two. They are also five and and two in overall play and Arizona sorry Air, Oregon State and Cal are both tied at one and two in conference play however Oregon State is two and four overall, and Cal is at four and two uh, in overall play and out and at the rear uh, very surprising. Uh, we have uh, Washington State here at zero and three in conference game. Zero and three in their conference games. They haven't won one yet. I find it surprising with the offense that they have. I actually find that their defense is sort of making a turner and st- making turning a corner in certain ways as well. But again, they are undefeated in conference play, or they are well, they are completely defeated in conference play at zero and three, and they are also at three and three overall let's move to the sec uh we we have the uh i ah, sorry yes we're gonna start off in the sec west with lsu uh they are leading the way here with a two and and0 conference record and a six and and0 overall record. Up next, you have Alabama, also on undefeated at three and O, and they are also six and overall. Uh, up next, we have Auburn here, who is two and one in conference play and five and one overall. We also have Ole Miss here at two and two, three and four in overall play. Mississippi State is here at one and two and three and three, respectively. We also have uh, Texas A and M here, who is three and three overall, but one and two in conference play. Here comes Arkansas at the bottom. They are 0-3 and in conference play and they are 2-4 and overall. Uh, in the SEC East we have Missouri here surprisingly on top. They are 2-0 in conference play. They are 5-1 overall. However, uh, Florida is 3-1 in conference play. They also uh, are 6-1 in overall play. Of course, they suffered their first loss of the weekend. Uh, well, they suffered their first loss last weekend to LSU. Uh, we have Georgia here at 2-1. They also suffered their first loss last weekend they are also 5 and 1 overall uh up comes South Carolina who is 2 and 2 in conference play they are two, uh sorry 3 and 3 overall and uh at the bottom we have Tennessee and Kentucky here Tennessee is 1 and 2 in conference play and 2 and 2 overall and Kentucky is 1 and 3 in conference play and 3 and 3 overall and we have Vanderbilt here who is 0 and 3 in conference games and 1 and 5 overall uh in terms of what we see right now in the, in the SEC West Of course, Alabama still has to go through LSU, vice versa. So that's going to be an important game here. We also got to see Alabama go through uh, Auburn as well. That's the iron ball. So, um, you know, it's going to be between Alabama and LSU right now for the SEC West. As far as the East is concerned, uh, Florida took a loss it wasn't supposed to. So was Georgia, in my opinion. Uh, I still find those teams in the mix. I just don't think Missouri has has what it takes to beat both of those teams. Uh, but we shall see. Of course, if South Carolina was able to get a win, ain't no telling what could happen, especially on the road. In, well, on the road in Georgia, uh, in Athens, to be exact. So uh, I'm not too. Sh- I mean, I- I'm not a hundred percent, but I-, I feel comfortable with riding with Georgia right now. Uh, I think they make it to the SEC championship, only to lose again. That's that's kind of where I'm at right now. All right, y'all. I'm going to take a quick break, and when I come back, I'll be breaking down some Monday Night Football. Uh, we have some news in the NFL to go over as well. All right, y'all. I'll be right back. <laughs> All right, y'all, I'm back. i will break down some uh, NFL action. Of course, uh, we have some Monday Night Football to talk about. But first and foremost, I have some news to go over. We're going to go over an injury report first and foremost. We're going to start off everything in Cincinnati with defensive back Dre Kirkpatrick. He, hyper- he hyper-extended his knee last week and will be out until mid-November. He was uh, carted off the field and he needed a knee brace. So a significant blow to the Bengals. One of the big positives is their pass coverage which is 15th in the league right now. Uh, up next, we have defensive lineman Stefan Tuitt of the Pittsburgh Steelers. He tore his pittoral muscle and will, will require a surgery. He will miss the rest of the season. Again, another blow to a defense that's uh, trying to come, up, come together and again, um, just another valuable piece to that squad there. Up next, we have Amari Cooper of the Cowboys. He is questionable this week versus the Cowboys. He has uh, quad bruises and he only played in three snaps uh last week versus the Jets I think he should be I think he should be better by then I'm not 100% sure though um Outside of that, we do have a couple news stories to break a little bit. We have uh, one coming out of another one coming out of Philly. Uh, they decided to cut their linebacker Zach Brown today, or actually yesterday. Uh, so far this season, he has played in 60. Well, he had played in 68.4 of Philly's offensive snaps, only getting about 29 tackles, uh, which is okay, but only two tackles for loss, no sacks, uh, no interceptions, stuff like that. Uh, Kirk Cousins had a monster game against the Eagles, going uh, 22-29 for 333 yards and four touchdowns. Of uh, course, before the game, Zach Brown has said some comments referring uh, to your boy Kirk Cousins. I don't think that that's why they let him go or anything like that. I think it was been a pattern of him just not showing up, being one of the focal pieces on that defense and that and defense so far this year not really being that great. I think they decided, well, let's cut our losses. Let's see if we can bring in some other people there, bring in some other pieces into that rotation, uh, maybe get somebody over the offseason. That's probably what it is. Is. I don't think it has anything to do with the comments about Kirk Cousins, although I just feel it kind of funny how they just kind of, you know, drop him at the, uh, significant, uh significantly bad. Well, I mean, it's a bad game, um, but it's, it's, you know, it's an indictment on that defense uh, in general, and I thought it was more of a, a secondary issue than a linebacker issue. So I'm a little bit confused by this one. I guess I just wanted to clear up some room maybe for another corner or, you know, safety or something like that. But again, um, yeah, Zach Brown, linebacker for the Eagles to cut. And uh, finally, we have another, we have a. Bit of good news here coming out of Carolina, and it looks like Cam Newton may be on his way back. Uh, he could return to the Panthers as as soon as Week Seven during the bye week. Kyle Allen does have a record of four and zero uh, in replace uh, in in place of Cam Newton, uh, but he has lost four fumbles, no interception, but he has turned the ball over. Uh, Allen, however, uh, however, has completed about sixty percent of his passes, which is much better than what uh, Cam was able to do in his uh, in his first two starts this season. But again, Cam only got two starts. Again, he was injured Those two starts So again There's no telling I mean again We already know What Cam is capable of When he's healthy So uh um Again, let's, uh, let me break this uh, fact down about Kyle Allen. No, he does have a QB or a pass rating of 106.6, which is fifth in the league. Uh, of course, Cam, over the first two weeks of the season, only completed just 56% of his passes. He had zero touchdowns and one interception. And he, had two, he had negative two rushing yards and on just five attempts. So, again, uh, he was definitely hampered by his injury. Uh, I do. I mean, definitely uh, Kyle Allen has kept them within the mix. They are still uh, with within striking distance of the division uh the, the question is i mean uh, and again and i know people well the, the question is well as cam comes back and he's healthy because he get a chip does he take the starting spot well i would do it like this um personally as the coach uh i would come in there you know with with all due respect to cam and all due respect to uh kyle allen and what he's been able to do uh, we're gonna say we're gonna we're gonna look at what Kyle Allen has done and said. Thank you, uh, you've given us four solid weeks of undefeated, given us four weeks of undefeated football. Uh, but however, this is the guy that's taking us here. We already know what Cam Dude is capable of, is if, if healthy. Uh, So we're, what I'm going to do is I will just have a battle it out. We have an entire week. I just have him just battle it out the entire week at practice. Throw passes, do everything I ask you to do. Let's 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 put you guys in different game situations and let's see how how how, how ready Cam. Uh, is is to go in terms of a um in terms of a practice situation, if he's healthy enough to go, if you see like the commitment is still there, have him run the ball a little bit, have him do a little bit of everything, uh compared. Um, and I, I would just say who 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 has the better practices that week, and that's who would be my uh, starter. And if you go with if you go with Cam, um, I wouldn't necessarily give him a some type of leash. I wouldn't say, well, if he fucks up and, and you know things aren't going so bad, we can just put, put in Kyle Allen. I think part of Kyle Allen's success is gotta remember, nobody was expecting him to play. Um again they drafted real real greer the third round out of west virginia everybody thought that he would be the backup or the the second and coming to cam if you know things happen like this uh so again nobody was expecting kyle allen but again eventually people are gonna you know get some notes on him people are gonna get some so the more time he plays The more people are going to know stuff about him. So again, I I think you you, you let those guys compete at practice, and if if Cam's ready to go, and if he seems to look crisp, if he looks to be upon his level, because I think Cam Cam at his healthiest, in my opinion, is if we already saw, we've already seen him take a team to the Super Bowl. We've already seen him win an MVP. In in my opinion, I gotta see some more of Kyle Allen, but I think Cam Newton at his healthiest is better than Kyle Allen. That's just my opinion. So. That's where I stand with that. Uh, we do have a Monday night game, of course, to talk about. Uh, the Packers, uh, they get a win here against the Lions, 23-21. to It took all all four quarters to do it but i know it was worth it for them the packers do the five and one on the year the lions do the two two uh two and two and of course they have the tie there in, in week one uh but let's break down the stats in this one uh for the lions of course on offense that were led by quarterback matt stafford he went 18 and 32 for 265 yards he had zero touchdowns zero interceptions but again i think a touchdown would have would have done something here. I, I honestly think it would have. Uh, on the ground, uh they were led by Carrion Johnson. He had 34 rushing yards and a touchdown. So not a lot of balance here. Uh Robert Super Kenny Galladay would get five catches and 121 yards. So that's pretty much what their offense was. Matthew Stafford trying to throw the ball uh as he normally does. Uh, again, Carrion Johnson was able to score uh one touchdown, but uh nothing from that passing game outside of the yardage. And again, don't, don't take away, I'm not taking anything away from Kenny Galladay, five catches and 121 one yards that is important uh, but again it would have been good uh, to have you know add that in in a touchdown because that would have been in this game it probably would have been the difference um Tracy Walker on defense. Uh, the uh lines were led by safety Tracy Walker the 3rd. He had 7 total tackles and also defensive back Justin Coleman who had fit, uh, 5 total tackles and an in interception. And on special teams of course Matt Prater had a game. Uh he had he went 5 of 5 on his field goals. He had so he also had 16 points again. Uh you when know, your kicker is giving you 16 points, that means your offense is not is not uh very productive but maybe it's just you know how good the uh, the Packers defense is uh they're I mean they're both really good squads uh we we I mean the Packers could only pull away by one and Rodgers uh, he went 24 39 for 283 yards he also threw an interception as well however he would throw two touchdowns so the, again you gotta be able to score in, in both in both fields uh, in both the running game and the passing game it's balance here it's balance here uh one of Jamal Williams would have 104 rushing yards. He also added a receiving touchdown to that. Wide receiver Alan Lazard uh, would have four catches, 65 yards, and a touchdown as well. On defense, the uh, Packers were, were led by uh, Chindon Smith. Uh, I'm sorry, Chindon Sullivan, who had four total tackles, and the two Smiths, uh, Preston and Zedarius, uh, they had nine total tackles, and they had three and a half sacks. How soon is now? Yes, how soon is now if you were your boy Matthew Stafford? Because he was getting under duress all night. The Smiths, uh, I love them. Uh, Zadarius and Preston, one of the best moves the Packers made in the offseason, uh, in any offseason, really, uh, mind you, because again, one of their Achilles heels ever, you know, in the Aaron Rodgers era have been two things. Defense and running game, and I, I think they definitely have a good defense. I think the running game is coming along. They definitely have one of the best defenses in the league right now. Preston and, and Preston and Darius Smith. I'm gonna keep uh, shouting out their names. They are pretty damn raw. Look out for them. They will be leading. Uh, they will be leading the Packers to a postseason berth. I would. I think they're gonna pretty much. Well, they gotta get through the Vikings one more time, but. Uh, well, and the Bears, too. But I would not be surprised if if the, if, the, if the Packers can pull it out, especially this year with the defense that they have. They have the defense to go along with a great – well, a good offense. Again, I, I want to see that run; those running backs come through. Again, run, uh, Jamal Williams, he had 104 yards. But, again, score, score. I'm telling you, uh, you, you had a touchdown to either of these guys, uh, another, another offensive touchdown to either of these guys' scores, and either of these teams scores, and it's a different game. Either the Packers win by – a bigger margin or the the Lions the lines pull one out so again scoring is important but these defenses I mean again that's what you have a defense for so Packers have a good defense do not sleep on uh, the Lions defense Uh, just this this night around the Packers had a little bit more they were able to get that that last field go off so the Packers went by one And uh, that's that's weeks. That's week six for the NFL. I'm going to take a quick break. And when I come back, I'll be breaking down some MLB playoffs. Of course, we are in the National League Championship Series. Uh, Washington, my team here, my pick here has taken a three game lead on the Cardinals. We're going to talk about it. I'll be right back. All right, y'all, we're going to wrap this up today. Of course, it's time to talk some baseball. And the first big story that I have here is a, a new report uh, referring to the, uh, the death of Tyler Skaggs, the former pitcher of the uh, Los Angeles Angels. Now, in this report, it indicates uh, that a media relations staff member named Eric K would supply Tyler Skaggs with opioids throughout his time on the, on the team. K would also I also gave the names of five other players that he believed to be using drugs to the DEA. Now Kay has been placed on administrative leave since uh, Tyler's death and will be sub, and, well, and is subject to criminal charges for his part in the buying of the drugs. The Angels organizations claim zero knowledge of the of Skag's drug use, but I don't believe that we have a member on his staff buying him drugs. I don't believe it. Somebody knew this man had problems. Somebody did not give this man... Uh, and, and, be, and Not only did they not know, they did not give this man uh, a free opportunity or an opportunity to get his life together. They did not allow him to step away from the team or get healthy or get his mind together or to address the issues that would be forcing him to do, to do these drugs. They were supplying him with drugs. They knew exactly what his problems were, and they did nothing to help. Again, a member of their staff, their media relations staff was buying the drugs for him. They knew of his problems. The media, well, remember who, this, who that person is, the media relations staff, they know what's going on with players if the coach doesn't know because again they have to spin the stories what if tyler gets caught with the drugs what if there's a situation like this that's what the media relations people are for and again they knew about it i'm not too sure exactly how many people knew about it but it was very well known that the knowledge must have been there that he was partaking in drugs in harsh opioids now The medical examiners have uh, reported that uh, the pitcher choked on his own vomit after after combining oxycodone with fentanyl and alcohol. He choked on his own vomit in his sleep, pretty much. He had oxycodone, fentanyl, uh, fentanyl. We've been told about these drugs and these medications for years, about the harmful side effects, yet they are found in unison in this man's system along with alcohol. Now again, alcohol is one thing. Hey, you and I get a beer, you and I get a drink. I got a bottle of, of some brandy right here. That's not gone yet and I take sips from, but still, you know, we all we all dibble and dabble. But again, you're combining hard hard opioids with alcohol. That's not a good mix. What's going on with this? See, this is again when I when I originally talked about the story, the main thing that I wanted to to really get to the bottom of, and again, he's he's around my age, born in 1991. I'm trying to figure it out. You know, we're all nearing the age of 30. We're all all these guy all, all the guys in this generation are nearing our 30s. If we're, we're we're not there yet, you know, some of us are a little bit beyond that. You know, in our fully into our 30s, and I'm trying to figure out what you know, and, and it's hard because. It's hard to come out and tell people you have problems. I can understand it. I can even understand it, you know, being a, a pitcher in the a, in a, in a limelight like that, in a big city like that, where, you know, people probably don't understand you, just see you as a baseball player. And, you know, it's so sad to me that you know, we live these lives on the pa- on paper and, 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 in, and in front of cameras, and in the baseball games or the the, the 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 sports that we attend to, or the jobs that we attend to, we're looked at, you know, for what we do. And behind closed doors, there's so many things. Even for me, I'm like, I'm not immune to any of this. I mean, I've I've dealt with you know issues of depression. Uh, I've abused alcohol at points in my time. I've, I've smoked, you know, when I shouldn't have. You know, I never did the harsh drugs or anything like that. But I know what it's like to be depressed. I know what it's like to be down. I know what it's like to to, to chase away your problems with with a substance. You know, and, and it's just hard. You know, and, it, and it's hard because, you know, sometimes people are not there to reach out to you. Or maybe you don't think people are there to reach out to you. A lot of times it's, it's the fact that you don't think people are there to reach out for you. And yet you shouldn't be weak. So you find some way to cope. And it's just sucky because... We're all nearing that point in time as men, where you know it's we we've been men, but now it, it everything means something now. You know we're older now. We're definitely older now. So, you know, it, it, mental health is a very important thing. You know whether whether or not you're a, a stocker at a grocery store, whether or not you're a policeman, fireman, or you you're a professional baseball player. You know, mental health is important thing. And and if you are if you yourself are abusing drugs because of these situations, reach, try to reach out first and foremost, admit that you have a problem first to yourself, maybe, and then reach out, look for help. Um, Again, it's very hard to do in this day and age. I know. And then there's there's sometimes this this notion of where we shouldn't reach out and we shouldn't as a fear of looking weak. But you don't want to go like that. You don't want to go choking on your vomit like that. People, you know, trying to, you know, after you've worked so hard for them, you've you've given them your body, you've given them your arm. In the case of Tyler, and they now act like we don't we don't know nothing. We don't want to know nothing. We don't want nothing to do with it. You got the organization saying we don't know nothing. We ain't got. But you have a media relations person buying in the drugs. That's sad, man. And, and and just young men, anybody my age, you know, y'all need somebody to talk to. Please come to me. Let's talk. Let's talk. Let's 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 iron it out. Cause one thing that's always helped me, again, of course, you have to live a you have to go out there and experience some things. You have to, you know, uh, maintain, you know, a lifestyle. But it's always good to it's always good to, to talk. It's always helped me to talk to kind of get the bad ideas out of my system, get the fears out, to talk about what's been bothering me. So again, anybody that's looking to reach out, please reach out to me. Reach out to your father, your brothers, your your best friends. Reach out to someone, your sister, your confidant, your baseball coach, your your football coach. Don't let it don't let it eat you inside like that he's definitely dealing with some problems of course that you know he abused drugs but there's 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 factors behind drug abuse believe me i live with people who abuse drugs again i've abused alcohol there's there's ways i mean there's factors behind it you have to uh be willing to talk and uh people have to be uh, and and people around you know and, and 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 coaches parents you know you know confidants friends don't be afraid to reach out to your friends. Sometimes we are afraid to reach out. So don't be afraid on your end to say, hey, is everything going all right? Interject yourself. Don't be, don't be the enabler. Don't be the drug buyer, okay? If you're affiliated with these people, do not be the drug buyer. I, I would have respected if somebody would have ratted him out, had him get, had him got cut from the team in order for him to get his life. I'd rather somebody would have snitched on him and said, this is what he's doing. He needs to get help. I'd rather that would have happened than if somebody to be running around behind the closed doors, giving him drugs. That's that's BS, dude. That's BS. Uh, let's move on. We have a uh, story to cover out of New York and they are still looking for their manager. The Mets have added a new name to their search. Uh, they added Eduardo Perez. Now Perez has spent time as an ESPN analyst and also works on a show on X uh, series XM Radio. He has also served as an uh, Astros bench coach in 2013 after serving as a hitting coach for the Marlins. He also has a father that played in the, uh, in the league as well, Tony Perez, he was part of the, 90, uh, the 1970s Cincinnati Reds that were winning multiple World Series titles. He also played in the league himself so he has some experience there uh he has some experience like i said as a coach as well and one of the main people he actually works with i believe on espn or i believe uh, on series x series x, x uh, sorry, Sirius XM, I believe, is an uh, assistant to one of the pimple people in the front office there in the Mets. So he has a he has an inroad there. So uh, he definitely has the experience. He has the, the connection there. Now, Perez already joins a, a list. Like I said, already six people now. Uh, but he joins, joins a list that includes former Yankees manager Joe Girardi, also former Mets uh, player Carlos Beltran, also Mike Bell as well. He's a former player, and I believe he's been serving as a front office somewhere in the front office in arizona as well oh Derek shelton has also is also on this list as well i'm not too sure about him and i don't i don't know anything about Derek shelton my bad y'all uh but bell actually met with the team yesterday so again they have a lot of names that they're looking at. Uh, they're very interested in finding the right guy. Uh, one of the main people, well, there is one person that's vehemently in the job that he's been into the job since forever. He said this is the only job for him. This is Carlos Beltran, of course, uh former player. So, again, they have somebody who's really interested, somebody who does have, a con- they have somebody who's very interested uh, and, and, uh Carlos Beltran, they have somebody with some really with some ma- with some with some, with some adequate. We have two people with adequate major league experience in terms of managing, with Mike Bell and also Joe Girardi. And they also have somebody who already has an inroad and in a connection with somebody within the New York Mets office, with a Perez. So they got a little mix of everything here. So uh, it's up to them. They they want to choose somebody who's already cool with the front staff. They want to choose somebody uh, with some managerial experience, or do they, do they want somebody who can resonate with the players? who could resonate with the city that being uh, Beltran again so again they have a good choice of whoever so uh, they should be making a choice probably soon uh, I would not be surprised that that move was made within at least a week or so uh, and finally of course the big elephant in the room is the National League Championship Series Game Three: The Nationals win this one easy margin, eight to one. The bats for the Cardinals have not come alive in this series, and the Nationals are up three and zero. Oh. Uh, again, shouts out to the Nationals. I told you why I'm rooting for this team. A couple different reasons, uh, personal reason as well as you know they they kicked ass uh, against the Dodgers. So you gotta you gotta ride with that. That was that was like that was the equivalent of like big the dude just comes into the joint and he he takes out the the hardest dude in the joint just just to prove that he's no sucker so that's what that's what the nationals did with the dodgers in that in that first round they took out the pretty much the hardest, at least the hardest team in the National League. We'll have to see how it goes if they make it to the World Series of course, but again, a really great game from the Nationals. They take the 3-0 lead but the Nationals. They were led by second baseman Howie Kendrick. He had three hits and three RBIs. First baseman Ryan Zimmerman uh, would have an RBI as well. And outfielder Victor, actually two hits and two RBIs as well. And center fielder Victor Robles would have two hits and an RBI as well. Of course, pitcher Steven Strasburg got the start against uh, he pitched a gym. I, I don't see how you, I mean, again, it wasn't perfect, but again, seven, seven, seven innings. You don't get that a lot. That's pretty much the entire game. Just, he gave up seven hits, but zero earned runs. Seven hits, zero earned runs, 11 strikeouts. Steven Strasburg, in my opinion, he, uh, y'all slept on him. Baseball has slept on him. This is why I've been trying to tell. He's been the wrong pitcher since he got drafted. This is I, this is part of the reason why I've been a Nationals fan. They've had players that I really like. Steven Strasburg. Even before, even, even outside of this year, They uh, Steven Strasburg, y'all don't give him enough love. He's going to earn his respect from y'all this year. Uh, for the Cardinals, they just get a... a, a I'm sorry, they get a run from Jose Martinez. That's all they can get. Seven hits, one run. That's all they got. Um, Pitcher Jack Flaherty got the start. He got lit up. He went for four innings. Gave up five hits and four earned runs. What can you say? It was was a bad game uh, for the Cardinals, and they are one game away from being eliminated. Swept. Nationals. I think they're the team to beat coming out of the NL. I'm looking forward to that team playing whoever comes out of the American League. All right, y'all, I'm going to call it a wrap for today. I will be back pretty soon. I will be going over my my part two list for my top 10 worst Republican and uh, Republican slash conservative cities. Again, like I said, I have a Halloween review for you guys. It is a surprise, so it'll be here soon. Uh, We have word on the street segments to go over as well. And then, of course, we have... Three key takeaways from this weekend or last week in the NFL. Three quick three questions for the week coming up ahead. And uh, we're breaking it down. We're going to preview uh, some Thursday night football as well pretty soon. So I'll be back soon, y'all. If you're looking to get in touch with me, you can hit me up on my email at ljbutler75 at gmail.com. E-L-J-Butler75 at gmail.com. I'm also on Facebook and Instagram. I almost called it FaceGram at L-Jamal Johnny. That is E-L-J-A-M-A-H-A-D-J-A-M i once again that is e l j a m a h a d j a and alright you all right y'all if anybody hasn't told you yet i love you peace out one love and i will highlight y'all later